0: Greetings, everybody, and happy President's Day. It's the day we sell you. Just, just respect to all the presidents out there.
1: Shout out to all the presidents, not Live just in America, in. other countries, uh, also presidents of companies, homeowners associations, chambers of commerce. <laughs> you guys are the real stars.
2: Yeah. Uh, the president of CAP, former president of CAP, Neera <laughs> Um and most especially Trump, our most recent president. <laughs>
3: She used to be the president of CAP, and now she's the president
0: of no CAP. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope everyone is uh, staying safe and warm on this President's Day, as much of the country is blanketed by a a frigid ice storm. Um, But you know what? It's crazy uh, because of the harsh weather conditions. Can you believe it? Uh, The podcast, they said if I came in today, they would uh, Uber me a car. They'd pay for a President's Day mattress, a hotel, and give me a $2,500 bonus. This snow got Chapo acting brand new.
3: Yeah, I actually, um, I own a chain of podcasts in the Houston-Dallas
0: area. There's opportunities around us every day. But I would like to introduce, it's uh, me, Matt, and Felix today. But uh, joining us today are posting and podcasting power couple, the Brunigs, here to uh, help us celebrate the President's Day and all of the presidents. Matt and Liz, how's it going?
2: It's
4: going great. Thanks for having us.
0: You have both been individual guests of the show, but never before uh, joining us together um, as, as, as the full Voltron, the full, the full Brunig, the Brunig vision.
4: Well, I think when I came on the first time, that very early episode, Matt was still punished, Matt. He had just, uh, the, you know, the late unhappiness had just happened. On
1: yeah, he couldn't be on the show because he was in stocks uh, at the <laughs> middle of DuPont Circle.
3: Yeah, we're also holding him accountable. I'm going to be honest, until this moment, <laughs> I thought one of you was a character the other one was playing. I wasn't sure which. But now I hear you both and uh no, I apologize. I hold myself accountable for once.
4: <laughs> for once in your life. Yeah. Um, usually I'm the
0: one holding people accountable.
4: Yeah. Now you got to do a growth. Yeah.
0: Well, we will be will be growing and accounting today, but I guess I'd like to kick things off with uh Matt and Liz to talk about like just what is the state of like proposed stimulus spending on on like and COVID relief here in America because it seems you know the the second impeachment trial uh seems to be wrapping up uh, the way we all expected it would with um everyone declaring uh Trump guilty but not accountable rather than what I believe he is um, not guilty but should be held accountable um <laughs> And I, I guess like so, like like so, like th- that was the big thing they had to focus on. But like n- now that that's sort of fading into the background, and Trump's finally going to go away, the Democrats and the Biden administration are stuck with this two thousand dollar, fourteen hundred dollar check issue. And I guess so like, Matt and Liz, to begin, like, how do you how would you describe this sort of strange situation we have now, where thanks to COVID, um, basically every mainstream economist agrees that we need some kind of stimulus, and Trump has already got the ball rolling. Uh, by sending people checks once or twice. And then, thanks to the election and a special election, uh, Democrats really tied themselves to this idea of more checks or a $2,000 check or a $1,400 check in such a way that people were allowed to think that policy could involve the government directly giving people money. So, how do you see the Democrats now attempting to manage those expectations in the current bill that's being proposed?
2: Yeah, well, they they seem to have decided that the amount of money that it would uh, that would you know if you add up the fourteen hundred multiplied by uh, you know the number of people in the U.S. that that would that would simply be too high, and it's sort of unclear why you know like what what is the target? How do we know how much is too much? That's not really specified, but we but but there is some sense it is too much. Um, and so what they've decided to start doing is, aside from cutting it from 2,000 to 1,400, which, as you know, there was a big debate, well, we meant 1,400 all along, it's 1,400 <laughs> plus 600, I you know, I don't know, I don't really care about, I guess, that. It seems like if you get yourself in a situation where you have to explain to people you meant 1,400 all along, you're not doing <laughs> politics correctly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, because I think like
0: they could, they were probably technically correct, but like they can't you, you can't get around the fact that like they ran a zillion ads and political speeches where they said a two thousand dollar check is coming your way if you vote for us. And like the problem is that people took them literally and believed them.
2: If you send John and the Reverend to
3: Washington. Those $2,000 checks will go out the door. We will be able to pass $2,000 stimulus checks for the people next week. We'll deliver the
1: $2,000 stimulus checks. And that begins with the $2,000 stimulus.
3: When you send me and Reverend Warnock to the Senate, we will pass those $2,000 stimulus checks. You send me and Reverend Warnock to the Senate, we will pass those $2,000 stimulus
2: checks. They will make decisions about whether we give people a $2,000 check. We need to pass
0: $2,000 Stimulus checks, and if you yeah. have to get in a yeah, situation I mean where you're saying like, "Oh, well, actually, it's your fault for taking it literally instead of um, reading further," yeah. It, you've, yeah, you've put yourself on the on your on the back heel to start. Yeah. So, but now what's interesting is they're saying
2: even the fourteen hundred is too much, um, and so they're trying to cut it down, but they don't want to cut the fourteen hundred dollar amount, and so they're they're in like kind of interesting like metaphysical trouble in which they're saying, "Well, all the other checks have started to phase out." on people who make more than $75,000 a year or if you're married, one hundred and fifty dollars a year. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to just bring that threshold down to maybe $50,000 or maybe $40,000. And so we're still going to provide the $1,400, which plus the six hundred dollars gets you $2,000. But we're going to phase it out more quickly so people who, you know, a year or two ago, the last time they filed taxes were making more than seventy-five dollars a year or one hundred and fifty dollars a year, they won't get as much as they, uh, you know, they won't get the full $1,400 And the thing about him is that you can't take Biden's literally. You have to take him seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I I, kind of pose the question to them, like, what if you kept the fourteen hundred, but you only gave it to one person like as a lottery? (laughs) Like, would that be would you would you satisfy your promise? Because of fourteen hundred plus six hundred, that's two thousand. Right. Like the weird position they've run themselves in is in order to make the argument that by two thousand, we always meant fourteen hundred all along. What they meant is in that last bill that passed where the, where it said six hundred that they wanted to put two thousand there, but in the last bill that passed, it was phasing out starting at seventy five thousand not phasing out at fifty thousand so for them to change the phase out, they're no longer able to now say, "Oh well, we always meant all along, we just wanted that six hundred to say two thousand because they're now changing another parameter of that same law so you know, through this process, something has been lost. I don't know where they've, uh, you know, where you want to ping them, but they they've broken some kind of promise. Like technically, um, I mean, I don't know that it matters, but you know, like logically, it doesn't hold together.
0: And I mean, like, and, and it's 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 like a lot of things. It's it's being justified on this idea that like, is it really? At at a time when so many people desperately need uh, relief or some some cash in their checking account, like is it the best use of uh, government money to send it to people who technically may not need it? And like by that they mean like you know I guess an individual making over seventy five thousand dollars a year, as based on the last time they filed taxes, which wouldn't account for the, the fucking plague that's just destroyed the country.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's true, and I, it, there's been a lot of discussion about. I don't know how do you how do you target need in in this context, and it seems like everyone in the discourse, especially among um, kind of Democrat policy people, they've decided that unemployment insurance that's the thing that definitely targets need. But you know when you look at the numbers, like the last month of data, there are about five million people who are receiving unemployment benefits, but in the jobs report, there are ten million people who are unemployed, who are actively looking for work. So. Uh, obviously, half the people are not are not managing to get on that program. At least half the people, because um, that ten million doesn't include people who just have given up looking for work altogether. And then the other thing is that unemployment benefits. You know, I mean, you can get unemployment benefits and still be relatively well off. You know, if your spouse didn't lose their job and they make a lot of money, you could still get unemployment benefits. That's not a bad thing, but it's it's not like everyone who's unemployed is destitute. Some people they have lots of savings, or they have a spouse who has a lot of earnings. And so that's not necessarily that well-targeted either. So, you know, I don't know. To, to my mind, like, you try to get as much money as you can out through as many channels as, as you can, knowing that the unemployment system doesn't work all that well. A lot of people are slipping through those cracks. And also knowing that a lot of people are probably going to slip through the cracks of sending out another IRS payment. But, you know, like Donald Rumsfeld said, you, you go to war with the, with the army you have. And, and these are the institutions we have. And as best as we you know, can do is you just kind of jam all the buttons and, and see if you can get the money out and keep people from, you know, starving and getting evicted.
0: Well, I mean, if, if like the, the, the defenders of of the Biden administration or the sort of just give them a chance crowd will point to, you know, like that there, what's, what's being proposed is a $1.9 trillion economic relief package. And I'm just quoting from the Washington Post here. It says under the proposal, the Internal Revenue Service would provide $3,600 over the course of the year per child under the age of six, as well as $3,000 per child under, of the ages 16 to, six to 17. The size of the benefit would diminish for Americans earning more than $75,000 a year, as well as for couples jointly earning more than $150,000 per year. An analysis by Columbia University, researchers of Biden's proposal found it would cut the number of children in poverty by as much as 54%, the equivalent of 5 million children. Uh, like, I mean, that that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Like, I mean, is is there anything else what's being proposed here like it, it, sounds like it's a, like a decent thing that you would want from a democratic administration. But like, is the devil in the details here? What's what's really going on with this?
2: Yeah, so that's a so that's a separate thing from the fourteen hundred dollar checks. This is the uh, creation of a fully refundable child tax credit. Um, and they've been uh, this has been kind of in the works for the past three or four years. Uh, there was a bill called the American Family Act that was introduced by Sherrod Brown and uh, Michael Bennett in the Senate. And they just kind of seizing upon this opportunity. Maybe we can get it in. Um, We'll get it in a temporary one year version. And, you know, I do think that that proposal does make a very big step forward, at least like within kind of the welfare state world of like American politics, because right now the child tax credit and the earned income tax credit are designed so that poor people can't get the benefit. And that's like an intentional thing they've been doing since the 90s because they want to get, you know, poor single mothers working and all the rest of it. Right. Um, And the child tax credit that they're proposing now kind of crosses that uh, crosses that line for the first time, at least since the 90s and says, no, no, we actually want poor people to get benefits as well, not just like lower middle class people and above. And so that was great. That was a good uh, move, you know, in the right direction. The thing that they're starting to uh, mess up or at least uh, that I've been kind of hammering them on over the past few weeks is that it really just doesn't make sense to administer a benefit like that through the IRS. The IRS doesn't make monthly uh, payments to people. It makes annual lump sums uh, to people uh, and the child tax credit is an annual benefit. It's based on annual characteristics about a family, about their income, their marital status, whether the kid lived with them for 51% of the year. It doesn't make sense to try to do that on a monthly basis. It's just, it's just going to be a mess. It's not just me saying that the tax policy center, which is like urban and Brookings Institute, they say the same thing. (laughs) Um, and you know, I don't know. It's just like, typical dumb guy stuff it's like you guys are getting very close to something that could work very well which have been proven to work very reasonably well at least over the last year which is direct payments to families direct payments to households and but you just gotta you gotta do it well don't make it complicated don't throw in all this bullshit just do it as simple and as clear as you could um and they're just resisting that for some reason and the net result of that's going to be is this is going to be much less effective than it would otherwise be. So I mean, I had a piece out today showing that uh, one in three poor children uh, live in families that don't file taxes. But you have to file taxes to get this benefit. So now we get, we're already setting ourselves up for like a losing battle <laughs> to be like, how do we reach these one in three kids? How do we get them to file taxes? And it's like, why are we even doing it? Like, that? Have, make you know? them file out a W two and they go to school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you could do it in the uh, yeah you. <laughs> yeah yeah you could do it and at the turn school them into level.
1: Uh, employers employees and stakeholders of the local inst- educational institution, and maybe you know if they want to clean up the cafeteria while they're at it, they could do that
2: yeah, that was a Newt Gingrich thing he was saying yeah. have poor poor kids do the custodial work at at their school
3: make them <laughs> the, man,
1: the man was ahead of his time in many ways, not just about that, but like the crunch wrap supreme at McDonald's also
3: <laughs> he was the, he was the first speaker of the House to have
0: a smooth wife. <laughs> Totally smooth, wife. That's not Facetune. Um, but, uh, but 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 uh, but Matt, what, I mean, what you're talking about is this sort of um, like the, the the gravity of uh, like a uh, democratic policymaking and policy thinking. It just seems like even if they uh, ha- sort of are, have their hand are, are on a problem or are grasping what could be a potential solution to it, it seems invariably there's this sort of um, of... Of, of how these sort of like how to, how to deal with social problems like you know like all these uh, attachments like you know if you do x, y, and z, if you claim this, you would qualify for uh this credit or something rather than you know the the very simple thing of just like don 't make people jump through tubes for it, like just directly like wire the money into a checking account like i i mean I, this is all intentional right i mean this is this is like what what, what, what accounts for this like the Democrats or liberal solution to like every problem has to be solved through tax credits.
2: Yeah, well, so historically, you know, what happened in the '90s, of course, when they got rid of aid to families with dependent children, which was the cash benefit for uh, out of work single mothers there was a move towards tax credits. And there were two like main reasons for this. One is that if you do it uh, through the tax code, then it's not seen as welfare. And so you think, oh, well, this will be better because middle-class families, they don't want to feel like they're receiving cash benefits or welfare. That was like the idea. Of course, I think in the last year, we pretty much definitively disproved that because every time you ask people, did you like to receive that big check? They're like, yes, I did. Please send some more. Um, but that was the thought. So put it in the tax code. The other thing is, the purpose of these tax credits as they were designed in the nineties was just simply to miss poor kids. So the best way to skip poor kids is to wait till the end of the year, see which one of them are poor and then say no benefit for you. And the way to do that would be through the tax code. That, so these programs were intentionally defi- d- designed to exclude poor kids. And at the time, the idea was, well, that'll be good because that'll encourage their parents to go work, you know? Um, and I, it didn't really play out that way, but that, that was the thinking. So and, and so what we're left with now is this, this sort of like vestigial structure where this whole tax credit edifice was constructed specifically to exclude poor kids. And so it didn't really matter that, well, poor people don't file taxes, so how are they going to get it? It's like, well, that's the whole point, right? We're not trying to get it to them. Um, but now we are here 20 years later. And in a way, they're kind of saying that was a mistake. That was a mistake. We should have never excluded those kids. But we're still gonna do the same shit, the same design, the same kind of you know way that we've been doing it and and hope that we can reach them through this process and I don't know I mean part of it it just seems like mindless momentum uh turf turf guarding on some level with some of these institutions who have spent the last twenty years defending these programs um and other parts seem maybe even like pettier than that, right like if you make it a tax credit, guess what? That means that it falls under the jurisdiction of ways and means, which, which means you know, House member Richard Neal gets oversight over it. And you saw you know, he's kind of you know, a bit of a nutcase himself, as you may have seen with that Alex Morse uh, election. Um, it, like, it's a lot of just petty shit like that, it seems like, and just, just dumb stuff, momentum. I don't know. That's the best I can, I can make of it.
0: Well, I mean, as far as like the critiques of this, like, I'm assured that everybody has roundly rejected the advice of Larry Summers, who recently had like an op ed saying, like, don't spend too much money because it'll overheat the economy. And I'm I'm assured that people in Biden circles have rejected that. But like how, how would you describe like some of the like some of the uh, the naysayers or like what, what's the what are the arguments people make against like this kind of like for generous at, at a moment of real crisis? Like you know, taking the opportunity to just simply spend money, damn the consequences, and give it to people, and like even if that means what, giving it like, what, money. What's Larry to people, saying about it? Yeah, yeah, or or, or people. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ill.
2: Larry's saying, uh, you know, that we're close to full recovery, and that if you dump all this money in the system, it's just gonna supercharge demand so much that. We're gonna have inflationary problems and stuff like
3: that, which that's been the biggest know. economic problem for the last thirty years. Has been <laughs> inflation. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. It's, it's been always out sort of, of control. It was sort of unclear. Well, what, what? Okay. What if we had three or four percent inflation for a couple of years? I mean, who? What? Why would anyone care? Um, like, I don't know. It just doesn't really have any negative effects. Don't you
1: understand that the Smothers Brothers show would just give you the business?
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: That. That's what. That's what. The thing is, in the movie Children of Men, that's what happened. There was three, 3.7% inflation one year, and then, boom, no more kids.
1: <laughs> if you guys want to have, uh, have Johnny Carson making fun of you in his monologue uh, for inflation, be my guest, but I don't want that
3: fate. A lot of people aren't scientific people. I consider myself a very scientific man. Women's ovaries stop working when inflation goes above 1.25%. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, maybe the late night talk shows will be like, have you guys seen the price of milk? It's no longer three dollars. It's three (laughs) dollars and nine
3: cents. (laughs) I miss I I miss uh, like gas price jokes. I like the 2008 election where John McCain made all those stump speeches
0: about uh, how he hates paying a bunch at the pump. I think we need to bring (laughs) that back.
2: (laughs) I do remember the gas price days.
0: Speaking of uh, speaking of children, though, I mean, like this gets into like, you know, the, the, yeah, the, what, I, what I quoted from The Washington Post, like this this a, a, a child allowance benefit policy, American child benefit policy. And now isn't Mitt Romney co-signed something or a version of this that would basically be a, a, a monthly child benefit allowance for people in this country? Like, like what, what's in yeah, the Romney so, proposal? And I've heard actually, like, surprisingly good reviews of um, what he is or, or what's in that proposal. Could you describe it? Yeah. So Romney basically one-upped Joe on
2: the dollar amounts. Uh, so in Joe Biden's uh, plan, you get $3,000 if your kid is between 6 and 17. Uh, Romney does that as well. If your kid is younger than that, Joe gives you 3600 Romney pumps that up to 4200 And then right before birth, Romney also gives you another 1400 where Joe doesn't give you anything. So over the course of a kid's life, you get an extra five grand under Romney, than you get under Biden, which is already kind of an amusing outcome. Um, But on top of that, and the thing I've been trying to push this last few days is Romney actually designs the benefit in a way that is uh, reminiscent of, you know, sort of social democratic countries. So rather than an advanced monthly child tax credit that depends on your income for this year, which you don't even know in advance and blah, 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 blah. He says he's just going to have the Social Security Administration send out the checks to everyone. Period. No means test, completely universal. Now if you make over 200 grand or 400 grand a year, they're going to claw claw it back at tax time, but it's only 3% of people make that much, you know, like it's a very clean and simple <laughs> uh way to administer the program in addition to being uh, somewhat more generous uh, than than uh Biden's proposal. Now Romney gets into trouble where he tries to pay for it uh, by, you know, cutting TANF and stuff like that, which I even think even on balance, his plan still is better, even though it has some of those somewhat negative uh, pieces to it. Um, but that seems to be like Democrats want to focus on that. And I'm trying to focus on look at the way he's set it up. The way he set it up is good. Um, And, and I should say <laughs> the way he set it up is the way that I proposed to set it up in my family fund pack paper that I released in 2019, which I believe um, was uh, the inspiration for the way that he set it up. So I'm trying to like, come on, simple, simple Social Security Administration, stop with the tax credit stuff, send it out to everyone. Like Romney's got that under wraps. Like he he's doing it right. Like, let's do that.
0: What do you think accounts for someone like Mitt Romney who represents a sort of a, like a, a business conservative point of view coming around on the idea of like direct cash payments to american families or to to basically like to make it possible for people to have families or continue to maintain them like or is it an acknowledgement that like social mobility or education is not a solution to the problem of poverty are they beginning to realize yeah, like, like, what that represents for like the, the capitalism as a whole
2: it's a very Good question. I actually don't really know what happened with Romney because you remember when he ran in two thousand eight, was it or well, two
3: thousand twelve? Two thousand twelve.
2: Yeah, he, he was uh, very much uh, against the bo- what was it, the bottom forty percent, the moochers, uh, the moochers, who don't, yeah, uh, pay tax and expect the government to take care of them and all that kind of stuff. Um, and now I don't know. Like with anything, people will tell you, oh well, all that stuff he was saying about immigrants and poor people, he didn't mean that. He was just trying to win the Republican uh, nomination. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but, uh, here he is now, uh, some, you know, t- uh, eight years later saying we should have a universal child allowance, which, uh, is more to the left than even the democratic party. Um, and you know, as best as I can tell the way that this has evolved on the right wing is a few years ago, like four or five years ago, there was, you know, there's always this effort to reinvent conservatism, reinvent conservatism. We're going to have an intellectual kind of center right conservatism that will appeal to uh, you know, uh, Ross that right? Um, Bar- Barstool
0: conservatism. We talked about it just the other week. That, that's, that's the newest. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. He and so what came out of that was the idea of creating a really big child tax credit. So instead of a thousand dollar a month, which is or a thousand dollars a year, which is what it was at the time, they were saying we should go up to three thousand five hundred or maybe even four thousand five hundred a year, but we're still going to exclude the poor um, from this calculus. Um, And it was weird because the the arguments they used for why we need to have a big child tax credit, because they can't just say, hey, it'll be good. People will like it. It'll be popular. We'll win elections and it'll cut poverty. They can't say that because they're Republicans. So they invented this really weird rationale in which they said, you know, if you think about it, parents really pay two sets of taxes because they pay their own taxes and then they raise kids who also go on to pay taxes. And so if we give them a child tax credit we're really counteracting the double taxation of parents through this process.
0: Maybe the maybe kids should start paying taxes at a certain age. You know, a very small Ooh, sort of like symbolic yeah. tax to get them used to the idea, get them get their get their skin in the game from let's say age 6 on.
3: Yeah, that's uh, that's something that Michelle Alexander has written a lot about, the school-to-taxes pipeline.
2: <laughs> and so, you know, based on that rationale, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense to exclude poor parents because uh, they 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 pay some tax, at least, right? Payroll tax, sales tax, and they're raising a tax payer under this logic. So shouldn't you also give the benefit to them? And you would confront them with this and they would just kind of, I don't know, I got the sense of just like, you know this is bullshit, right? like <laughs> like like they didn't really seem interested in in squaring that logic um and that was picked up initially by uh, Marco Rubio and Mike Lee, and they've been big on expanding child tax credit, expanding child tax credit. Rubio is why they expanded the child tax credit in the Trump tax uh, bill, but for whatever reason, Romney was the only guy who was like, "Okay let's go all the way, let's give it to all all families, not just sort of lower middle class and above and uh That is what the logic entailed, based on the arguments they were using. But Rubio and Lee, I mean, they released a statement uh, a a week ago after Romney released his plan, in which they uh, denounced it as an abomination. So um, that's my best guess of like sort of the intellectual heritage of how Romney came came to be uh, uh, on this.
0: I certainly don't want to make it seem like you know all like all Republicans are coming around on this. It is just the Romney proposal is a very specific thing, and there have been. Uh, a number of reactions to the Romney proposal from the right, uh, arguing that it's a bad idea, and it's very interesting the terms in which they describe this bill and warn against why pursuing such a thing would be a danger, or like it would be a danger to American society. And uh, but I like to get Liz in on this because I just I, I saw this tweet from this guy Scott Winship of the American Enterprise mm-hmm. Institute responding to the idea of the Romney proposal, and of it he says. Uh, read Angela Rashidi on the Romney proposal. I'll give you eight minutes. She notes that the highly evil, checks notes, National Academy of Sciences found that a third of single moms with earnings would reduce their hours with a child allowance. So no! just, just in case you missed it there, the reason we can't have a, uh, a child allowance benefit is that it would possibly theoretically lead to a situation in which some single working mothers don't work as much as they currently are now. Or would reduce
3: it. Yeah, you know what that means? More homework. (laughs) (laughs) More enforcement of homework, less playtime, fewer Legos, fewer Legos on the floor, no erector sets.
2: (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: What I liked about him saying that is I don't think it occurred to him how fucking blood curdlingly evil what he was saying is. Like you saying, like, like we can never, ever allow a situation to develop in America where sing- a single working mom is able to see your kid ev- more.
4: Right. I mean, time was that if someone tweeted that out, you'd have no idea if they were a conservative or not. Right. I mean, because uh, the landscape politically on what single mothers or mothers in general should be doing in the United States is completely mixed up. So, you know, Matt and I have talked about this, but a child allowance or, or especially like a childcare benefit that also pays out as a cash benefit if you want to stay at home gets extremely mixed responses because some people say, well, no, that that will encourage or enable women to leave the workforce, which isn't good for women in general. And then other people just don't like the price tag. One of the problems is that everybody lies about what they really think. And so it's difficult discursively to figure out where they really are. But, um, you know, I debated Larry Mead one time he called himself the intellectual godfather of welfare reform
2: yeah he's a real sicko
4: (laughs) now he's on race
0: godfather he's moved on to an even even more savory intellectual development
3: (laughs) 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 you come to me on this day the day that my daughter earned between 55 and seventy-five thousand dollars a year on non-employee compensation and may your first
0: child be a high iq child (laughs)
4: <laughs> your first child have a very smooth, fine brow ridge. He, yeah, he's yeah. an interesting guy.
2: I mean, I, I, was, I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to talk sure you about don't. the last.
4: He spent his whole career
2: on welfare reform, and he was very like straight-laced guy. And I swear to God, the last thing he published, he was like, maybe the reason why uh, welfare reform didn't help get black people out of poverty is because they're lazy and they don't like to work, um, and we just need tougher, no excuses charter schools to fix that. No, he uh, Literally, was the last thing he, he published.
4: It in a journal, and it was like. Maybe there are just differences in cultures. And you're like, all right, Larry, what are the cultures? And he's like, well, there's Northwest European culture. <laughs> and then there's the, like the global South. OK, uh, but I, I debated him once at but Johns why, Wait, Huskins. hold on. Then
0: why, does nor- why do Northwestern European countries allow for their people to have so much more free time than America does? It, it gets so convoluted. He would be here all day explaining how he tries to <laughs>
2: circle yeah. the square that.
4: Um, You know, but what he said, you know, part of the job you do in a debate, maybe the lion's share of what you do in a debate, is try to get people to come to terms with and put into words what they actually think. Most people not only cannot explain what they think, they don't even know. It's submerged. They've never asked, you know, probing questions that lead to a a very detailed outline sense of what they believe. Now, the exception to this is Matt and other autists (laughs) um, where (laughs) there is nothing submerged. And in fact, he knows every single detail of what he thinks uh, down to like a kind of disturbing granular level. Um, And so by the end of the debate and Matt was there observing what he had said, what Larry Mead had said is, well, women who stay home with their children are fine. That's even good. Women who are single and want to spend more time at home with their children, that's not good. And the reason, he said, is because women should have to answer to someone in society, and single mothers, because they don't have a husband to be their boss, need the Arby's manager to be their boss. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah. everyone needs
2: a boss. He, he did it in very communica- communitarian, kind of, we all should serve somebody, and the yeah, single mother, who does she serve without a husband?
4: The children, dumbass. Right? It's like, well, does yeah. serve the kids? No. Yeah. When you're taking, <laughs> you're taking care of kids, you're not lording over them as their CO, Right? The kids completely run roughshod over you and you cater to their every whim. They're all little kings, right? You've got to do what they want or they're going to scream at you and hey, you're going to want to kill yourself.
0: Hey, who does he think husbands and boyfriends answer to? I got news for him on that. a <laughs> 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 big boss. Oh, yeah. ball and chain.
4: Oh, fuck. Yeah. That was, no. the,
0: that was the less
3: heralded John Lennon song. Man is the Arby's manager of the
4: world. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy is the head that wears the Burger King birthday crown. Yeah, what
0: like I like like as compared to like like what is being proposed either in the the Romney proposal or maybe like the the slightly less generous uh, Biden and Democrat one. Like, like, how? Like, and these, are, these, this is just totally theoretical. Like, like, this is there's a long way from this even getting close to being passed or becoming law. But like, how would how would the proposal compare to programs that are extant existing in the world today in like developed comparable nations?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the the most the closest comparison that we had that happened very recently. So we have like good data, and it's a very similar country would be Canada because Canada just put in place a Canada Child Benefit. They consolidated a bunch of like tax benefits that they had, and they made a Canada Child Benefit. It's paid out each month, um, very similar to what, what's being proposed here. It's actually somewhat more generous than what's being proposed here, not surprisingly. And they, of course, they do studies. What happened? Did people go to work? Did people stop working? What happened? And what they found is overall, actually, work activity among women slightly increased, but it also slightly decreased among low-educated women who had young kids. Low-educated women who had older kids, they actually worked a little bit more. But if you had young kids who were below school age, the percentage of them that were employed uh, fell from, like, 55% to 53%. Um, and, you know, like, well, that's okay. The kids are, like, they're not in school, so someone has to watch them. So that seems fine. And it looks like once they go to school, they get back in the labor force. So what? who Who gives a shit? Um, and that, that, like, that's the biggest thing we have. One of the things that they were trying to cite at AEI is uh, some research from the National Academy of Sciences, which were trying to kind of like guess what this would do. And they uh, determined, I think you cited some of it, but the actual number was that they believe that unmarried mothers would reduce their work activity by an average of 1.7 hours a week. Oh which my God! Would reduce, oh <laughs> which my would God! Total, fuck. <laughs> which would <laughs> would reduce total work in the economy by 009 percent. But this um, no, wait, wait,
3: this is that's so, this the is, type of thing that said that said John
0: Connor back. <laughs> 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 Let Sarah Connor, single mother. Wait, wait, need you I thought? say more? Need that I know. say more? And go. then who who did she have to answer <laughs> that's to? What it leads to? The reprogrammed T eight hundred. Who she finally understood what it means to have a father, a guy in her kid's life. Case closed.
4: Does she marry him? I haven't seen it. No, <laughs>
0: no. I, no. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she has, she has to watch him be lowered into a uh, vat of uh, molten steel. It's very sad. But, you know, it's a good that's,
3: that's, that's what a good, ma- similar, what a good yeah. marriage is like. <laughs> Every day the husband and wife take turns being lowered into the vat. <laughs> Every but,
4: day when Matt logs onto Twitter, I see him being lowered into a vat. It's just a thumbs up. <laughs> <a laughs> <thump, a laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. No, I'm
2: loving what, it.
0: But what I was going to say is like, <laughs> This is this is just so bizarre to me because it's like okay like yeah even if you like like tally up all the studies and show like oh like uh, economic output will drop by one point seven hours a week among like 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 this the uh, you know single mothers of this uh, income level or what age or whatever like it don't they have numbers to show that like what like the over the long term like the the net positive, just purely in terms of like capitalist economic growth, like what it would mean to have more uh, mothers, I don't know, loving their children and raising them or being in their lives. Oh, so yeah. Like they the, become like the s- a- stable, functioning adults in like an economy. Yeah. I mean, the, the big counter
2: here would be that when kids grow up in poverty, they're much less likely to be employed when they become adults. And they're also much more likely to be incarcerated, do crime, have mental health problems, et cetera, et cetera. So like if your whole goal was over the long term, maximize the number of people who are like productive citizens keeping people, especially children, out of poverty, that's like one of the first steps you're going to take because poverty really uh, plays uh, a number on the brain and brain development and malnutrition and all the rest of it. So like in that sense, it, it could never make sense that uh, you, you, you would uh, get your way to high employment by uh, having one in five kids grow up poor. It would never make sense to do that. But they sort of just kind of shuffle that off and focus narrowly on what about the small group of uh, low educated unmarried mothers who have you know uh, you know a kid who's below the age of three and just like just obsess 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 over that
4: I think it's a shell game though I think that I think you know all of this talk about what would happen uh, you know in terms of women's progress in the workplace and what would happen in terms of economic productivity all of these all of these things it's not that I think people don't believe them I just think that there is a, a a sort of grander and more historical motive that you can easily identify especially in the welfare reform conversations and it's that the American right and the American left do not want poor people having children yeah. they think those people are messed mm-hmm. up in some kind of way and they don't want more of them in society that's all there is to it.
2: Yeah, that was the, you know, dysgenic Charles Murray uh, under, underbelly of the whole welfare reform. Right. Um, and you, you, I saw that reappear very briefly when they were doing the like Reformacon child tax credit thing I was talking about earlier with Rubio and Lee. The guy who wrote their policy, his name was Robert Stein, and he gave an interview to Ryan Cooper at The Week and Ryan asked him, why don't you include like the poorest in here? And he said, "Well, we don't want to encourage fertility among the bottom quintile any more than we already do." Yes,
4: that is that is uh, what they believe.
3: Well, that's okay, like the, usually something. That's usually something you say when it's like you've all morphed back into reptiles,
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or, or you've got James Bond like chained to like a laser that's slowly cutting into his dick. No, Mister Bond, I expect you to not. I expect you to lower the fertility rates <laughs> among our poorest. <laughs>
4: um, Among super rich people, uh, there are uh, tons of like charitable foundations. I I believe there is an arm of Warren Buffett's foundation, in fact, that are aimed at population control, like expressly, especially in the global south. Gee, I I wonder why so many people
0: are conspiracy theorists in contemporary American society. (laughs) No, yeah, yeah, no, that was a huge,
3: that was a huge like Gates Foundation thing too. They were like. Oh, the biggest problem in sub-Saharan Africa is overpopulation. Yeah, right. Right. Even though every every single
0: one of those people has a fucking carbon footprint like ten thousand times smaller than Bill Gates's like pinky toe. But yeah, Yeah. like, uh, but foreskins, please, Africa, cough them up. That was that was
3: such a great. I always I've been talking a lot about the creative department of the NWO a lot because they've done amazing work in the past year. But the best thing they ever did was like making Bill Gates into like. Um, a Reddit meme in the way that they did Keanu Reeves, where yeah. it's like he's the epic science guy, and not like one of the fucking worst people alive, and just like expressly evil, just expressly, just openly like, yeah, no, we have to, we have to keep sub-Saharan Africans from breeding. Yeah, but
4: like, no, I mean, I think that that's a widespread across <laughs> political tendencies well, yeah. sensibility that's.
0: Liz, you said, like, you know, on, on, on the left and the right. And, like, you know, as far as what the right wing believes, like, that's pretty easy to parse out. Like, they, they just don't care, yeah. you know, if, if if poor people keep having children in horrendous conditions and, and entering into, like, in this unbreakable cycle of poverty or whatever. Like, that that it's irrelevant to them. And they, it, to the extent that they're aware of it, they'd like more, please. But from like a, a liberal or progressive or even left wing policy perspective, like how do those how does that same feeling sort of manifest itself of just like oh like the, those people you know they should just really like not have kids or like that's like the problem is them just keep, oh they just keep having kids you know where well, like that then that like that that needs to be dealt with or sort of disincentivized in some way
4: yeah so the left and right you know think of if you if you think about the Twitter tradition of making up a guy to get mad at <laughs> yeah that's pretty much sixty <laughs> percent of politics um, but I think when the right wing makes up a guy to get mad at in terms of population, they make up an inner city person like a black mother with several children who maybe isn't in work or has multiple jobs or something like that, and you can see a lot of really disgusting Shit to that effect being said right out in the open during the welfare reform debate. I mean, they weren't as shy about Read it any that issue time.
0: of the New Republic um, under, uh, yes, fucking, uh, what's it, Marty Perez's tenure, right? The New Republic, real. the
3: New Republic until like 2015 was awesome. Every <laughs> every front page was like, Is there a new type of black guy? <laughs>
4: like, should we just, like, sh- should it you was kill the yourself? A bag of Air if Force you, One.
3: Yeah, if you make $40,000 a year, should you kill yourself?
4: <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the, uh, all the wars ranked. <laughs> um, but I, I think when, when you know, folks on the left make up a guy to get mad at in terms of child having, they imagine like a fat suburban woman who has like a Karen haircut. And drives a minivan, and her carbon footprint is just enormous. And also, she might be a conservative, and she goes to church, and has sort of Chiclet fake nails, and all that kind of shit that's tasteless and gaudy. That you know, I think I'm already pissed off. The average
0: I'm already right, <laughs> so right.
4: Angry. I mean, you think about the the, <laughs> the the Sam B, the average Sam B viewer is not going to like this person. Right. Who's like, I just love God and my country. I don't understand what everybody's complaining about. And so when they think about a you know, a minivan full of kids, that's who they're thinking about. So every time Matt posts about his his family fun pack, for instance, you know, he gets hit with a wave of, uh, excuse me, we don't need more children. It's actually unethical and even morally wrong to have children. We're overpopulated as it is. And it kind of takes that form. But if you tease it out and, you know, start actually asking well who should get to have them then because we need some like what are you going to do then you start hearing more and more about sort of uneducated um you know tasteless suburbanite middle american you know trumpy people that's who they don't want receiving Uh, child benefit
0: just just who are you to claim or demand that families are supposed to be fun Families are the opposite of fun. <laughs> Families are for, for misery and, and fucking you up, as Philip Larkin said. But, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess just to move on quickly, but this, this, is an, this is an easy segue as long as we're talking about people who are uh, bitter, uneducated, and hate children. I do want to get into, because I know you guys have talked about this on, on, on your show, and it is a corner of the internet that I'm kind of fascinated with. And I'm talking about now that our Chapo Trap House has gone, um, probably the single most charming uh, Reddit subgroup is <laughs> our <laughs> child free. And I say, so like, you, you guys have, you guys have delved into this on your show, but how would you describe the, the, the ethos or, or the, the prevailing ideology of our child free? And then I have some choice <laughs> uh, selections from, from the group.
4: Well, we had, you know, there are people who just don't have kids and that's, like 99% of my friends and they're fine, normal people, friends of mine. Then there are people who their whole personality is like being a new atheist except for not having kids, right? So they're like epic science for the when I did a dunk on someone in public and everybody clapped. It's a very extreme kind of exaggerated form of who I am is is not only not having but actually hating children, and their parents, which leads to a lot of funny hijinks on that. Well, so it, it seems
0: like their 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 main concern is things that take place in movie theaters and toy stores,
4: because the, I mean <laughs> these are in adult common men. With Kevin D. Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's like these are these are uh, uh, these are adult <laughs> men who spend a lot of time in you know uh, in in malls, toy stores, and movie theaters, and consuming entertainment um, for children. Uh, who are obsessed with the idea that the intended audience and um, sort of uh, target demographic for the products and things that they enjoy are, in fact, children themselves. And I'm just going to read one here. This is, a, this, is a, an, this is an R child-free post that I, I have to read here. Uh, headline, is anyone else just fucking sick of Baby Yoda? The stupid, disgusting green crotch spawn drives me insane. Who cares if two Yodas <laughs> fucked? It just encourages crotch spawn mentality and pro crotch spawn spaces. Plus, you just absolutely know some dis- little disgusting, sickly child painted green will win best costume at the opening night of the Rise of Skywalker, despite the hundreds of hours of effort put in by actual fans. Oh, uh, it makes my blood boil! Oh this stupid green. Does
3: cunt. He, wait, does he think that the baby Yoda isn't a puppet? It's like just a kid.
2: That
3: they <laughs> 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 no, he's imagining
1: that he's his uh, his Kit Fisto costume that he spent all that time on will go unrecognized because of some damn kid. Oh, but yeah, what I what, that's upsetting. I
0: what I think is illuminating about that is that he's he's furious at at, at Baby Yoda and a a a, a as a, like a, a Star Wars character that's appealing to children, but of course like. This the all everyone who cares about this shit does because they got into Star Wars when they were children, and like this, it just seems to be this like weird, like sort of psychological distancing of like hating children in childhood among adult men to cover up for the fact that like emotionally they haven't like progressed past being a child or having an unhappy I childhood.
4: We also have to acknowledge that we don't know if two Yodas fought. We don't know, <laughs> they, know They that could reproduce, uh, you know, parthenogenically. <laughs> that's true.
0: You know, I mean, I it, it is
4: canon that
1: uh, Anakin Skywalker was immaculately conceived through uh, force manipulation by Darth Sidious. So we don't know how <laughs> beings as powerful as the Yodas uh, reproduce. Uh, but I would think that even if you Doggy hate the style. baby Yoda for being a baby, and if you're one of these people, you would love the baby Yoda for eating all of those uh, eggs of the <laughs> space frog. Thus, like aborting a ton of potential crotch spawn from existence. <laughs> it's a net win. Yeah.
4: You know, imagining this guy sitting in the theater getting extremely pissed at Rise of Skywalker, not because it sucked, but because there are like porgs and they're baby light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
3: lo- I, lo- I, love all, I love all this shit. Like, everyone who gets mad about Star Wars, I lo- like one way or the other. Either people who, like, I don't know, for like, some political reason, they like the new one or they hate it it j- or or like just going through the trouble to get that like Gina Carano <laughs> fired, Hell or yeah. like being mad that she got fired one way or the other, because it's like at the end of the day, it's like you're you've spent twelve years arguing over like Star Wars, the pacifier adventures, <laughs> Baby Force <laughs> One. Like these are this is just the Muppets. Mm-hmm. That's literally all this is. It's, this like, it is it's, so it's, strictly for babies.
1: And it reminds you that the best way to understand a lot of this very, like, uh, emphatic cult, like, identity-based hostility to children is really just the anger of uh, a kid when a younger kid comes into the family. Like yeah. you're no, I'm yes. baby. Why why are you looking at that baby? I'm baby. Like these like everyone's an overgrown child and they don't want attention to anyone else because that's what it kids re- like.
3: It reminds me of something I did that I'm very embarrassed of that I did when I was uh I was like five. And there was a kid like probably two years younger than me, like a three year old, at the playground, and he jumped down like one set of sets on the uh on the playground and his mom went like You know, good job, Ryan. And I was like, I just went down three steps. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know I was five, but like, I'm still very embarrassed. Matt
4: does that to our kids all the time, to our own children. And he has like we were at an aquarium one time in Boston and there were a ton of little school kids behind us. And there was a cuttlefish. I was like, "Oh, look, a cuttlefish! They're really smart." And Matt goes, "Not as smart as me, <laughs> 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 like a dozen children." Well, I does. well he's, te- he's technically be like,
0: correct. He's technically correct. No, <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong.
4: My daughter will be like, "I can't touch the door." Matt's like, "I can." Bam. <laughs> <owned>. <laughs> I don't owned. Know what's owned. gonna happen with that? Uh, that, is, uh, that is an
1: underrated <laughs> benefit of having kids: is you get to feel like a god. Yeah, <laughs> these kids. Like you don't, you don't know that I'm still here after I put my hands in front of my face. You fucking idiot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh,
0: here, here's one more clip from the art uh, child free that I think sums up a lot of what's going on here. Uh, just reading here, it says society really needs to let go of this idea of unconditional love when it comes to kids. A baby doesn't love you unconditionally. A baby is a bundle of 100% pure selfishness. It wants what it wants, when it wants it. And to be honest, most babies under six months probably don't care much about who. They're just a massive black hole of time and energy. And what I love so much about that is like, he's like, uh, the concept of un- unconditional love as it applies to children means the parent's love for the child. Not a n- not a newborn infant's <laughs> love for its parents. You know, yes, you're right. It's an infant. It ba- You know, it's, it doesn't have... Uh, self-awareness yet it means the fucking parent (laughs) unconditionally loves the child despite it being a black hole of time energy and selfishness
1: but the thing is this person they can't imagine being a child but they can't imagine hypothetically being a parent and so it's all about well what about me where's where is the love for me it's because it's all it's all transactional that's, that's like they, they, right. they can't even imagine it as being uh, anyone doing anything for any reason other than self-interest.
2: I, I'm surprised that no one has, uh, you know, floated the idea that little children are abusers. <laughs> they need yeah. to be
1: held accountable, honestly. <laughs> yes, they
4: do. Yeah. <laughs> we need to start holding they babies just accountable. They scream
2: at you. They break their promises all the time. Constantly.
4: They lie. They steal the, from you. The They're first kind of thing they, Yeah, the
3: first thing they do really... that they learn how to do is gaslight. (laughs) Like, little kids gaslight probably more than anyone.
4: Jane takes credit for everything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, like, I mean, she told Matt that she and God made all the buildings in our city together. (laughs) Just
2: straight face, no joke. Yeah, she's like, like, yeah, "Yeah, we did
4: that. Mm -hmm." We made that one. one. (laughs) And I I was extremely gaslit by that. I think the other thing about child-free that I always notice that's really funny and, and again, makes it feel like an extremely immature place is that there's a lot of emphasis put on how disgusting and kind of just wrong and maybe even, like, kind of pedophiliac it is that sex makes babies. They're, like, fucking (laughs) furious about that fact.
3: Well, I mean, that was whoever decided they should... Be brought into the world that way, really fucked up.
4: <laughs> I mean, I understand that you know it's maybe not what you expected to hear when you were a little kid, but the they are I think that's why they focus on stuff like crotch spawn. Yeah, right? I mean how how disgusting it is. They they're made by sex. There's sex, and then there's a baby and close pro and they're the vagina. Oh, this is unacceptable. And I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, most people come to terms with it at some point.
0: I mean, I, I don't know. It just seems like. Um, like, you know, whether you're on the like the, the, the left or the right, like and I, I remember like probably like one of the one of the times I've got like in the most trouble for something I've said on the show is when I simply answered a question by saying that it's okay to have kids if you want them to, despite how fucked up the world is. And like a lot of people I don't know, like it's just people's anxiety over that. And it's just like regardless of what you may think about the environment or you know, having or not having kids, it seems like it's a bad situation for like any any culture or civilization if like a critical mass of people just decide like there's no point in like reproducing yourself or the human race or just like having a future with people in it i mean even even if you make yeah, I mean, i'm not saying like if you coming there are good and bad reasons to come to that conclusion or whatever but it's just it seems like regardless of where you come on the political like ide- ideological spectrum it would seem that like job number one of a politics if that worth supporting is like creating the conditions in which like families can or like you know the reproduction of children and the their transformation from crotch spawn into like you know confident adults would be like job number one or like you would be like policy is about making sure that that's possible
2: yeah I mean it's a it's a a fundamental feature of the the human life I mean I I found it very weird uh you know when I got into this I wasn't trying to uh, you know, uh, I don't know, encourage people to have kids or make some kind of statement that way. I was just like, well, this is something our welfare state is lacking, uh, that others aren't. And it would, it would solve a good deal of our problems. So let's go ahead and do it. Um, and, and to, to see that, no, actually it's, it's extremely charged and people get very upset about it. It's like, I, I just don't, I mean, to me, it's almost like asking, you know, well, should we have retired people? You know, it's like what? You know, people like people do ask that. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, but don't open that doormat. I mean, <laughs> well, not even, not even should people retire. But I guess I would say, should we have anyone over the age of 70 like,
0: who yeah. was who The fucking
1: was well, the Obama guy who said like? Oh, uh, it's uh, a, from a from Manuels from Manuels right. brother. Living. Beyond yeah, seventy-five, Rahm brother. Yeah, so yeah. we should just be doing soil and green shit and wheeling them in and
0: just yeah. z- turning uh, no,
2: them into and, nutrient slurry. And, and it was fascinating. It was, yeah,
3: fascinating. it was Ar- the way. Ari and Rom's brother,
0: yeah, it was uh, Zeke Emanuel, the, the doctor Zeke Emanuel, who's like one of the top like brain surgeons in the country. Like in the way he justified it was fascinating too, because he was like. Yeah, sure. Like, if you're above 75, like, you may say, like, oh, you have a productive life or it's fulfilling to you because you like going on bike rides or reading books or cooking a meal or taking it easy. But he's like, by my metric, that doesn't count as a productive or, like, justifiable life. And it's just like, speak for yourself, asshole. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah no yeah he, he, yeah he's 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 saying other people what other people value is not important only what he values is without wondering whether in fact he's the psychopath for wanting to uh, spend all of his time working. Um, well, I mean, it's taking he's
1: taking seriously the ideas of our of our society, which is that you are as valuable as your productive capacity, and That's small right. children and old people are not productive. So what do you do about them? And if if there's no obligation to anybody who can't help you and who cannot like who you, whose productivity you can't benefit from then the answer has to be uh, you know you just uh, let's see what happens or maybe you have to be more proactive than that or, or they, we need they have to be they have to be worked out of the equation at
0: some point yeah we can't we can't just straight up kill people past a certain age because that would be monstrous but what we need to do is create we need to disincentivize living past a certain point yeah and the thing yeah, like,
1: it's like, like, like uh, it's like self deportation for yeah. uh, the astral plane
0: but like this is so cr- <laughs> like, how short like, sighted is this because like yeah, children in the immediate, like, you know, short term are are not producing. In fact, they're only taking from society. But, like, that's because you're investing them in, in, like, in one day them being the workers or, like, you know, people maintaining the fucking civilization that they're going to inherit. And old people have fucking been doing it for decades. I mean, even based on, like, this stupid, like, having to justify yourself to, like, be breathe oxygen on this planet, it would seem that, like, the old people have earned it and that the young people are like you know uh you're inve- it's not just like a drain because they're going to be productive later in life like they in fact will be more productive the more you invest in them
4: right the kids are learning the people who are in the middle they make hay while the sun is shining and then there's a time for people to rest and look back with life on sa- in satisfaction and that I think that's one of maybe Weber's original points in in thinking about disenchantment is there was a point where in history you could, you know, finish your work in this life and rest and look back and say, yeah, I worked. I did my part. And that was it. And that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, you still work. You work until you die in this country. And also kids are, are you know, though people get mad if you say they're non-workers or, you know, workers in waiting, everything about our education system is optimized to make them. Good workers or better workers, or to you know, kind of compete well in the meritocracy. Um, So yeah, I think it's just part of living in a really disenCHANTed society that eventually people are going to come around to why are we here at all? There's no point. Maybe there shouldn't be any people.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just an algorithm. <laughs> yeah, we can all live on. We can all live on the cloud.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so. Uh, to just segue slowly from the problems of uh, re- reproducing the human race and all of the uh, all, all, all of the negative externalities associated with um, continuing life on the planet let 's get into um, just like the day to day problems of having a family, living what is polite <laughs> what is what is a ghost to do? How do I get out of certain awkward social situations and to that end, I think it is finally time for us to return to my favorite advice column. Dear Prudence and Matt and Liz, you are the perfect sounding board to answer other people's dear Prudy questions. You guys ready? Oh, All righty. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Well, this first one is a pretty common problem, and it comes up a lot. And I'm just going to read here. It says, "Dear Prudence, my sister-in-law, uh, my sister-in-law and I have very different political views. Actually, my entire family and I have very different different political views. I'm liberal and they aren't. My parents and I." Had a very intense argument before the last election, such that we've mostly avoided discussing politics ever since. I only see my sister in law with my parents, and we're not very close. During most of the recent election, my brother told me that my sister in law and my mother spent a lot of time sharing conspiracy theories. She left out our family group texts and unfriended all Democrats on Facebook. She told my brother and mother that she wants nothing to do with me because I am a communist who wants to kill babies. My brother says she has lost her mind and told her that I am no such thing. My mother, to her credit, told her to get a grip. If it were just my brother, I could deal with avoiding my sister-in-law and be fine. However, they have an 18-month-old daughter whom I love as if she were my own. I have no children, and I am her only aunt. I would be devastated if my sister-in-law prevented me from seeing my niece. My brother wants me to talk to my sister-in-law. I'm at a loss. She is already pretty irrational, but she is taking this to a whole new level. Should I try to talk with her? What in the world can I say? I know there is a real possibility she won't even speak to me, much less listen what I have to say. So yeah, this is a common thing. What to do about um, family relations that uh, have come to a schism because of our contemporary politics over Donald Trump, QAnon, and um, elite cabals of Satan-worshipping pedophiles.
4: (laughs) Well, Matt's parents are woke oh yeah yeah I don't amazingly. have this
2: problem uh, well, I, I, well my mom is um, is apolitical she doesn't really care uh, I did call her up during, the, during this primary you know because Texas was a key state and I was like I actually called a lot of my family members up and I was like hey guys I need you guys to go vote for Bernie uh, <laughs> like, it'd be helpful for me um, you know I'm tied in clothes you know and they're like okay sure <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, my dad has some uh, politics I think he voted for Bernie on his own he voted for him uh, in 2016 on his own but uh yeah, I don't. I don't really have these issues that other people have.
4: <laughs> I can build this one. My family's—they're uh, my family—is all Trump people. They're all right-wing, and I try to—I try to be completely honest with them, and in so doing, make it com- totally impossible for them to understand what my politics are, what I think. Um, so my parents will be like, "Y'all gonna go out and vote for them Democrats again?" I was like, "I hate the Democrats." I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Democrats. <laughs> yeah, if, you,
2: if you turn, if you turn the, if you if you go far left enough, you can, you know, it's it's the horseshoe theory, right? You can you can kind of just be like, yeah, those libs are just <laughs> losing it today.
4: And my my dad will be like. Do you see that 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 bullshit welfare Biden's trying to do? I'm like, it is bullshit. It be like that. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to. Um, uh, so you
0: have it, to sort of like uh, yeah. veil your politics in such a way that you end up agreeing with them for reasons that they're not fully aware of.
4: <laughs> yeah. Well, I would. I, I just kind of mystify it. I don't know if that's um if that's a if that's a generally applicable thing. I mean, I you know, I would also, I guess, in all seriousness, recommend um talking to the sister-in-law and and being like look I'm not I'm not a communist trust trust me I'm a Biden voter I'm nothing close to even a, a soft socialist I think um you know people should pretty much only get what they can get through the labor market and I believe in private markets and I have no problem with capital ownership um <laughs> I like submitting to my boss and I think you should too and um the fact that people get sick and they can't pay for their medicine I think that's good I like it I wish we had more of it. And um, I don't want to kill babies. I'm just indifferent to their fate. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, maybe she would, you know, realize that they're not so different would I, be my advice.
0: I mean, I think I, I think that's very good advice. But like, I mean, the other thing i, I would her <laughs> saying is like, look, like uh, I hated that Trump was president. Now that now you hate that Biden is president. And you think that everyone who supports him is evil and, you know, vice versa. But in another four years, it's just going to it's just going to switch again. Like, 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 they, 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 this shit is never ending. Like, there's like no, no side is ever gonna get like, you know, is ever gonna be able to like dust their hands off and be like, well, and that's that. We finally won. Unless, of course, you're just get a it, capitalist. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, as far as the day to day arguing over this shit, it's just be like, you know, calm down. You know, you'll you'll win the next one, and then we'll be then you then you'll feel superior to me. But like, you know, this idea, yeah, that well, that this they, apocalyptic feeling about presidential elections, just be like, calm down. It's only for four years. You're gonna like they're, they're gonna swing right back again.
4: Right. And uh, people's egos get very tightly wound up in political teams, I think. Um, and I, I always just try to, you know, and I think one of the reasons, for instance, Bernie is one of the most popular politicians in the United States is because he is an independent. He's not in one of those teams. So it's totally possible for just about anybody to, you know, be open minded enough to listen to him because it's not threatening to their ego in that, in that way, because he's not from the opposite team. So when I'm trying to talk to people I know disagree with me and trying to get along, I'm like, look, I don't, I'm not batting for anybody here. I have my views personally uh, you know, but I'm not asking you to, to give yours up or anything like that, and I'm not I'm not coming at you as an antagonist. You know, so who knows? Yeah. All right, well that well that
0: first question is is a fairly a fairly standard one. And I think it's there's a chance that like it's it's a real problem that you know listeners of the show may may confront themselves, or it's just fairly easy to understand, fairly relatable, fairly common. Uh, this next question is a genuinely insane one that I'd be shocked if any any human being has ever encountered this problem. So let's dive into it. Question. Weighted blankets. My brother has a new girlfriend whom I have never met in person, but we have had some virtual introductions. She moved in with him in April, two months after they met. I sent them holiday gifts, and two weeks later received one of these gifts, a weighted blanket, back in the mail. His girlfriend believes this was appropriating autistic culture though she's not on the spectrum herself and has no autistic people in her life. She demanded that it be returned and insisted she and I will have no more virtual engagement until I apologize for the insensitivity of the gift. She also posted some things on Facebook about what a monster her boyfriend's family is for giving such a gift. It hurts that my brother chooses to play along with his girlfriend. I would feel really terrible if I did something truly offensive here, but my weighted blanket has been a huge comfort to me over the past year. So I mean, this is dude, easy. the okay. booty cannot I, I, be that I, okay. good. There is no way. <laughs> yeah, there no, is no I, way, dude. I, I, Run! I, I, what the I fuck, have, man? <laughs> I have some advice.
3: I have an, some advice here for the brother. Yeah, uh, take your hands, sort of make like a C shape. The thing that your piss comes out of, grab onto that, move it up <laughs> and down, and wait until you feel good, and you can do that instead of what you're doing now. <laughs>
0: I mean, Bill I think I think we all Matt agree with it. We all agree with the answer speak. here. I mean, the, the girlfriend is a monster. Uh, giving a weighted blanket, uh, just buying a waiting blanket. I mean, is is hugely problematic. Uh, that she should be cut off from the family for sending that gift, in my opinion. Only yeah. Matt
4: can speak to this because he has the identity position.
2: So why he, is this lady? I mean, why is this lady so worried about uh, autistic culture? Like, what's her what's her connection to that? I guess we don't know. Um, she just uh, wants, I, I, she, well, she respects she's, it. She's, yeah, <laughs> just use this as an autistic respecter. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously weighted blankets, you know, it, it can't be a uh, a product that's only for autistic people. That wouldn't that's not a big enough market. I mean, I feel like she's not she's not being very autistic
3: and thinking about this. Like uh, it just would not be viable. Um, wouldn't that mean like if it's for wouldn't it just like. That mean that like every woman is autistic? <laughs> <laughs> like, every woman has one of these? Like
1: No, every woman is uh is problematically uh appropriating, appropriating it and yes. needs to be held accountable.
3: Man, this girl This girl's like the John Brown of autistic people. <laughs> what about the what about the uh the true warrior?
2: What about those uh, bl- those weighted things they put on dogs? Does that count? Like a thunder shirt? Yeah. <laughs>
3: All dogs have autism. (laughs) Uh, All cats have BPD.
0: (laughs) That's true. It's true. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean,
3: I'm an animal expert.
0: Obvious answer to the question uh, for this person is like uh, your brother has been dating this person for like a couple of months. Like there's no fucking need for you to apologize to this person. Talk to them or fucking apologize in any way. Cut them off. Bye bye. Don't need don't need yeah, the don't, don't do not them. need to flatter the fucking an uh, insane person.
3: Is this like the first girl who ever like held her brother's hand? <laughs> <laughs> like nothing like just putting up with this as an adult male. I mean, I guess there are like some guys out there who do like they enjoy feeling bad and they like the idea of just like some woman fucking yelling at them all the time. <laughs> but no, you know biggies. Yeah, I don't know. Th- this guy Man, see, he, he's got some work to do.
0: <laughs> or or just lean it. into it and yeah. nec- on the next holiday occasion, send her like a model train set or something. <laughs> uh, Stimming toys.
3: That would be funny. They have their first like Christmas after the vaccine and they go to the mom's house and it's just all puzzle placements <laughs> <laughs> instead of a <the> carpet.
4: <laughs> she should um, make a donation to that bad organization. Oh, DNA. yeah. Autism don't.
2: Speaks, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. right. Yeah, yeah. Why is that the a bad that's organization? That's the one that's apparently bad. That's our,
3: that's our parent company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what they say about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they should see that Sia movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. I Arrange a big family screening of today, for, huh? for
0: music, the new film by Sia, which I, which I'm told is oh, man. quite good, featuring uh, quite the, something,
2: the girl from Dance Moms.
4: Oh yeah, really? Maddie.
2: Yeah, they got all the right. girl. Oh right, she
1: was in the Shia LaBeouf video. i video. Yeah.
2: Glad she's still getting work. She's she's she went from dancing, you know, ballet as a ten year old to playing an autistic person in a sea produced movie.
4: Look, and just before I get raked for watching Dance Moms, it was Matt who decided that we needed to watch Dance all Moms. Of is, Dance is incredible.
0: Moms. You guys should check it out if you haven't. <laughs> uh, uh, Matt and Liz, have you guys checked out Love After Lockup? Oh No, no. I haven't.
4: That sounds right up his alley. Put
0: that on the queue. You can come back and have a full episode to discuss that show. (laughs) All right. Well, okay. uh, uh, Next one. This is a doozy here. Question. How to set boundaries with my neighbor. My roommate and I have been having more backyard fires as a safer way to see friends during the (laughs) pandemic. Our one neighbor, Kay, is in her 50s and keeps inviting herself over when we are having a fire. She usually dominates the conversation, complaining about her kids or work, and she won't take the hint to leave when we are ready to pack it in. We've tolerated up we've tolerated it up until now because she doesn't seem to have any friends of her own, and the pandemic has been difficult for everyone. However, last night she crossed the line. A friend, B, was over for a socially distanced backyard fire. And B agreed to pee in a discreet corner of the yard by the shed because she wasn't in our house bubble. Later, K walked up to our back door and peed where a welcome mat would normally be in full view. Oh. We were shocked and didn't say anything to her at the time, <laughs> but her bathroom is literally next door. She was already making us feel uncomfortable, but this act was the final straw. How do we tell her that we don't want her inviting herself over and peeing <laughs> on our doorstep anymore? See, now that's a question where the answer is in the question. How do you tell her that? You say, uh, "Don't come to our house and piss on our front door, you fucking lunatic! What the fuck is the matter with you?" All right, I think, I think, I think she,
3: Kay kind of snapped. <laughs> I think that yeah, Kay should fight the girlfriend from the previous <laughs> two different types of great women. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I yeah, I don't know, man. That's the point where I think you just gotta be explicit and be like, hey, you it know, honestly what, so yeah, well, like yeah. this, it honestly
1: feels
3: like what they're actually asking is, could you ask?
0: Yes, her exactly. That? <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's it. Yeah,
3: because like what the fuck is this question? Like she literally gave you the best out possible where it's like, Yeah, you're like pissed on my floor. <laughs> yeah. But it it's like This question is either, like, it's part of some, like, ongoing, like, public degradation thing that they enjoy, or it's, like, they're (laughs) hoping that she reads this. Yeah, that's it. And that's how she'll get the message.
1: I I love love the idea that she she does read it, but she's like, ah, I guess other people like to piss on uh, people's front doors either.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to send this to my friends. Some people are really uptight about this. Uh, (laughs) It's cool that you're cool about it, though. uh,
4: This is, like, people... Inviting themselves over, getting in your way, dominating the conversation, and then pissing on the floor is where child-free and ear- <laughs> intersect That is exactly what it's like. <laughs> I,
0: I love that she does point out that, like, her actual bathroom is next door. And the friend asked, yeah, like, for you know, real. like, okay, yeah, like, hey, like, just, just go behind the, he- behind the shed. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And then, like, and then Kay saw that and was like, aha, Permission has been granted, it is a blanket, a blanket agreement that everyone can piss anywhere around this house. <laughs> yeah.
4: This is this. Maybe there is a there's an intersection here with another subject. She just needed a like a codified, explicit set of rules. See, this is why the Napoleonic Code is better than English common law tradition. <laughs> 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 just have to spell it out. So you just put a list of rules up in your backyard, like in Caddyshack. That's like. Don't piss on the floor. Don't piss on my house. Uh, You know, don't come unless you're invited, etc.
0: But, I I mean, I do like the idea, like, like Matt, you're absolutely right. This person is hoping that someone else will confront this woman for them and, like, vis-a-vis this woman reading Dear Prudy and being like, ooh, is that about me? But I like the idea that this is someone already so cracked that they would piss on your welcome mat is going to read that and be like, ooh, did I overstep the mark?
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, this is, like, someone who does that is not going to be like, Oh, silly me! I, <laughs> I mis—I <laughs> misread the situation again. I always do this when it comes to pissing. <laughs> yeah,
4: I—I I, I, was there. Alcohol involved? I mean, this just—the series of events is very hard for me to understand. Yeah, uh, it seems like maybe an alcohol type thing. If someone is just completely sober and peeing on your your door, that's a—they're trying to make a point.
3: Yeah, that's someone you can get out of your house with a butterfly net. (laughs) It's like allowed then. (laughs) Yeah, castle doctrine applies. I
4: I have to accept what you're saying here is that, you know, you you have a problem with me. So, okay. I'm just basically
0: like being invited over to someone's house. You know, like I'm I'm trying to respect the COVID bubble. So I take a shit in their backyard and I'm like, I dug a hole. (laughs) I dug a hole. You provided a trowel that I found in the shed. What do you want from me? It would be funny to walk in on your friend
3: who's staying over. You're like setting up the couch for him and you come back in and he's just dragging his asshole on the carpet like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's like too
0: shy to is the bathroom.
4: He's like, well, you weren't around and I couldn't ask, so. <laughs> like, oh, okay.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, proof once again yeah. via Dear Prudy that neighbors, in-laws, and friends are a million times more rotten and evil than crotch spawn and children. That, that we all have to live. <laughs> They're way more problematic to our society. And I think uh, just America, American policymakers should look into ways to disincentivize um, their existence.
4: Yeah, there should be a child income deduction. You have a kid, you pay the price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All I'll right. Take care of it. Well, that, uh, I think that does it for uh, our episode today. I would like to thank uh, Matt and Liz Brunig for joining us. And Matt and Liz, if people want more Brunigs, they want more People's Policy Project, Uh, where should they go? Uh, The Brunig's podcast
2: is patreon.com slash thebrunigs. And uh, my think tank, People's Policy Project, is just peoplespolicyproject.org.
4: Join us. Thanks so much, guys. Cheers, guys. Thank you. you. Till next time. Bye-bye. Till next time. Bye. (laughs)